It's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a bonus edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stemsky. We are right here rocking and rolling live on the Spotify Green Room app. And what an insane, drunk, bizarre, fantastic basketball game we had with the New York Knickerbockers and the Boston Celtics. And it was stressful. And it was exhausting. And at the end, it was downright nauseating. But guess what? In double overtime, the Knickerbockers take down the Celtics 138 to 134. Couple of different things to hit on here in this game. First half, the Knickerbockers had no answer for Jalen Brown. That was obvious. Julius Randle was doing his thing. That was obvious. Where did this game change from a Knicks standpoint? To me, it changed twofold. The play of R.J. Barrett, who came alive and really got going in the third quarter, and then Obi Toppin, who got into transition, got his game going, made plays in the open floor, and it actually looked like the Knicks were going to have a pretty comfortable fourth quarter. Not to be. I don't know what happened, quite frankly over the final minute and a half. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I can't really identify and pinpoint the insanity of what happened in that particular game. What I can yell about, though, what I can scream about is the end of regulation. What in God's name were the Knickerbockers doing at the end of regulation? From Evan Fournier not fouling immediately when you're up three, which is always my cardinal rule, you always foul up three. Like, it's an absolute no-brainer. If you don't do it, you're out of your mind. And then what is Kemba doing? Kemba, you're up three. What are you guarding somebody under the basket for, for goodness sakes? So, of course, Marcus Smart ends up banging that three. And when that happens, and listen, I'm invested. I have the Knicks 
on the money line tonight. And it's a lesson, by the way. You never lay one and a half in an NBA game. You always take them on the money line when need be. But then you have that shakeout and you got to survive overtime. And let's be honest, the Knicks do not get to the second overtime if it's not for Evan Fournier. Give credit where credit is due. Fournier and basically the Celtics and the Knicks were hitting open three after open three after open three. I mean, defense was optional in the first three minutes or so of that overtime session. I don't know what went on at the end of the first overtime. Why the Knicks are not going two for one. I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. They survive it. They get into the double overtime, and they basically outlast the Celtics. Big buckets from Randall. Bring Rose back in the game. He did very, very little, but he hit a big shot late, which was significant. Significant in more ways than one. And you survive. Listen, if I'm going to get 80 more Nick games, like the one I had tonight, this season is going to be a ton of fun. A ton of fun. And you got to understand something. I need, New Yorkers need something to be fired up about. You need this. Your football team stink. The Yankees, God knows what they are doing. The Mets don't have a front office. And I could speak on behalf of 90% of the New Yorkers that are listening right about now. Sorry, the Nets don't exactly have that same sort of gravitas. They don't exactly have that same sort of pull. It's going to bother the Net fan that's out there listening, but I don't give a rat's ass about them. I think we all understand that. I think we all realize that. This was the sort of night you needed to pick me up. It wasn't pretty. It got way too dicey. But a win is a win. Now, positives from a Knicks standpoint, before we get to your calls. Listen, Randall looks fantastic. He looked tired at the end of the game, but all in all, I'll take 35, 8, and 9 any day of the week. I thought Mitchell Robinson gave you some really good minutes. Now, I'm seeing somebody that he needs to, you know, bulk up a little bit, hit the weight room a little bit. You might be true, might be right on that. 11 and 17 out of Mitchell Robinson. Those were some really, really good minutes. And, you know, Saruti sent me this earlier today, and I agree wholeheartedly. And I know Saruti's been enjoying some mezcal and he's been enjoying some uh, margaritas and the beach and his lovely lady and all the comforts of Mexico. But this has been something that we have been hammering here on the New York, New York pod for quite a while. If the Knicks are going to take that jump as a team, it is about the evolution, the progression, the growth and the development of RJ Barrett. That is much needed. It is absolutely much needed. So R.J. Barrett's going to have to have a big year for this team. His third quarter was gigantic. I mean, I don't know how the Knicks yucked up that lead. I really don't. The final possession of the game was nauseating, but a win is a win. A cover is a cover. And I'm glad, listen, after all the nonsense that you've had to deal with from the Boston fan, it's nice to see the Red Sox go down, get smoked by the Astros, and then the Celtics lose in double overtime. That is absolutely fantastic. All right, now it's time for your calls. Let's rock. Bradley is going to lead us off. Bradley, take it away. What's happening, baby? JJ, great to talk to you as always. Fourth time talking to you. Mike, thanks for having me on. Well, Bradley, let's lead it off with a bang, man, like Soriano in his prime. What do you got for us, bro? Yes, sir. I mean, hey, thank God Nick's basketball is back. 
I've been I, I just after what has happened the last two weeks with Boston sports and seeing the Red Sox uh, down three to two, going back down to Houston and us getting this win. It's a good day to be a New Yorker. It's a good day to you know see the uh, uh, Boston fans uh, sorrow for once. So everything looks good. Um, my question, JJ, my question, I know it's only just one game. I'm trying not to think too far ahead, <laughs> but, um, did you see anything from tonight that the Knicks could use, uh, you know, when the trade deadline comes in, a, in February by any chance? Yeah, it's too early for that. It's way too early for that, Bradley. Listen, I got to see how this team meshes, how this team flows over 30 or 40 games before I'm addressing the trade deadline. But I thought that Van Gundy and Jackson brought up a very good point in addressing this team. Even with Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose handling the backcourt, two guys that you trust, two guys that are experienced, two guys that have talent, you have a lot of guys who their priority is get their shot. Fournier's like that. Barrett's like that. Rose and Walker and Randall are like that. In many ways, the Knicks could use a guy who's a floor general, who's almost a pass-first kind of dude. You know what I mean, Bradley? Like, they could use that sort of player within their rotation. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it was really good seeing Mitchell Robinson back on the floor because, man, that guy is a stud, man. I mean, he even looked like he put on some more muscle for this year, too. And that guy is going to pay big dividends for us down the stretch. So I can't wait to see how much more he gets to play and how much more he can develop for us going forward as well. Oh, Bradley, no question. I really liked what I saw out of Mitchell Robinson. And listen, no New Orleans Noel. No Taj Gibson. And they said, all right, big boy, go get it. Go make some plays. Uh, in the first half of this game, basically outside of Julius Randle, he was the guy coming up and making some plays and making shit happen, which is terrific, terrific to see. But Barrett coming alive, popping, coming alive. I thought it was going to end up being the difference in the game. Before we had that chaotic stretch with Jalen Brown knocking down shots, and then Smart hitting the three, and the Knicks not knowing what they need to do at the end of the game. I thought that's what we were going to be hammering home. Barrett and Toppin and what they did in the third quarter. I mean, this game just got off the rails, though, right after that. The great Dougie in Long Island joins us. Dougie boy, what's happening? What's up, Johnny? How we doing? Dougie, listen, we were sweating out Knicks on the money line tonight. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. We were sweating that bad boy out, but we'll take it, man. We'll take it. Oh, always take it. A uh, couple of things. Um, listen, I, I know Julius is great, but I kind of feel like last year we saw the ceiling with ISO Julius. I think tonight way too much of it. And you brought up a good point. When D-Rose came in and got Barrett, and, and, and let me tell you something. Obi's going to be a player, and the way he finishes, when we got finally got two point guards, Obi's going to be big for them. So that, I, in my opinion, that changed the game. And the only other thing I want to ask you, you know I'm not a quickly guy. That brain fart of a shot he threw up tonight, I'm glad he really didn't play after that. That, that was ridiculous. Well, listen, you know Thibodeau is going to send messages. That's the sort of coach he is. And I think he made it crystal clear, Doug. You're going to take a lousy shot like that. With the veterans that I have on this team, you're going to pay for it. And listen, I think Quickly has talent. I'm a believer in what he brings to the team as far as being a swing guard. But you have to teach young players there's a way to go about your business. And listen, Doug, think about Toppin last year. Toppin had to wait his turn basically until the postseason to have a meaningful impact on the team. That's the sort of coach that Tom Thibodeau is. You have to take the good with the bad. He's going to bury some young players at times, but it's all 
about teaching. It's all about learning. And the MO for this coach, and listen, I don't have enough of it with my teams right about now. It's win. It's win tonight. It's win at all costs. And you got to respect that, Doug. You got to respect that. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And the other thing, you know, he takes the preseason and he said, we only got four games. He ran guys. And Mitchell Robinson, he ran them to the ground in that fourth game. And you know what? I got to believe the way he ran them in the preseason, that might have helped be the, the edge here. And one other thing, Johnny, they were down three and the Celtics got the, the breakaway to go up five. I tell you, Derek Rose made a great play on defense, wound up stopping them from scoring. Nick's got the rebound. You know, Derek Rose, I underestimated how good that guy really could be for him. And, and he's been phenomenal. All right, Johnny, always a pleasure. Dougie, the pleasure's all mine. Thanks for checking in. And Rose, listen, didn't do much in this particular game. Came up clutch, made some big plays. And by the way, in case you're wondering, 5-2 Atlanta, bottom half of the eighth inning. Uh, Alex in Newark. Alex, are we going to have a profitable night, buddy? What's happening? Listen, for, for, first and foremost, I mean, I just joined in, but is is this uh, a regular season basketball game or is this game seven? We're breaking this down like... Oh, uh, you know what, Alex? Listen, I don't want to hear from you. The Knicks fan, you got to understand something, Alex. Many of the Knicks fans that are in this group that are fired up, have got to deal with the Yankee debacle or they had to deal with the lowly Met year. They got to have something to feel good about. And by the way, Alex, Tuesday night, Sixer, Nick, TNT, prime time, big night, my friend. Big night. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that we, we know where, we know where the beak will be. And more importantly, I'm looking forward to Sixer net uh, in Philly and the crowd is going to let Simmons know exactly how they feel, whether he's on the court or on the bench or not. Well, let me ask you a question, Alex. As a guy who's a Philadelphia guy, um, uh, uh, do you like the idea that Simmons is still with your team? I would want him the hell out. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'd want him gone. I'll be honest with you. They, I, I think, and I think they know they have Maxi special. Now, is it going to be Simmons? I don't know because Simmons has a lot of intangibles that a lot of players don't. Let's 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 be fair. You can bash him, but he's still an he's still an elite defensive player and a very good. But in a city like Philadelphia, Alex, don't you get the sense he's almost beyond repair? No, no, no. He's gone. He. But my what I'm going to say is, if it were me, I'd let him sit. Goodbye. Take a seat. We'll see you later. You and, and enjoy whatever you know what rotten away. If we get something, we get something. Some team's going to get injured. Some team, but there's no rush. Yeah, he's done. They don't want him on the court. Nothing else. He might try to self destruct. And it just it, listen the Simmons thing. It's embarrassing from all fronts. Obviously, Simmons is embarrassing. How the Sixers have nurtured him and babied him. It, the whole situation's embarrassing, right? So yeah, the sooner he goes, the better. But I'm in no rush. Let him rot. I don't want him back on the court. I'm fine with the way the Sixers are. You know what? It's it, it's fine. It's an intangible team. They're gonna they're gonna be fine, and they can make moves. See, Alex, be fair on this though. Isn't it fun having the Knicks back alive and well, relevant with Sixer, relevant with Brooklyn? It makes the winner a lot more fun. Amigo, be fair on that. Makes it a lot more fun. Listen, if the Nick fan's going to be like this for, for 82 games where, the, where they're breaking down a steal in the third quarter, then they're going to get exhausted. I mean, co com computer and Greek from Syosset, I mean, like they're drooling. It's game one. Take a, I mean, but listen, yes, exciting, good. Congratulations. And, and listen, the Braves, here's what I'll say. A three-run lead makes me nervous, okay? And, uh, <laughs> well, listen, after last night, it should make you nervous. But Atlanta, mark my words on this, and we're going to watch this as we do our Nick Green Room tonight. Atlanta needs to seal the deal tonight if they're going to win this series. If Atlanta yucks this one up, they are dead to rights, bro.
They, that's a wrap. And la- listen, last night felt like, I know for me and you both, it was like a nail in the coffin, even though they were still up. But I, two things. Number one, I had to say to myself, they, they stole two from LA practically in Atlanta. So you had that going for it. And what they showed you tonight, now they have to finish shows you that this team is for real. It wasn't fluke that they stole a few games in Atlanta, whatever, and in typical Braves last night. If they get this one, they got punched. They got punched hard. They could have crumbled over in L.A. It's, it's our house of whores. If they punch back tonight, I'm not saying they're going to win the series, but you know what? Hey, they're for real. They're here to play. Oh, no, no, no. See, Alex, see, I disagree with you on that. I think if they win this game tonight, they are winning the series because I don't think the Dodgers are winning three straight. I don't. Well, you hear, well, yes, but I think the, the important game will be game six because assuming Dodgers get tomorrow because you don't want it to go to. Well, and here's the question. Are they going to throw Scherzer tomorrow night facing elimination or they save him for game six? That's a monumental question. The last time Scherzer was exhausted when he pitched. I mean, he barely got out of five. So it's not like, now listen. Scherzer, you're still happy to have Scherzer on the mound, like Cole on the mound, whatever. But like, if, there's no guarantee, right? I mean, you know, the, when he pitched last game, you know, he was limping along. And uh, so, listen, they got to finish this one. We've been here before. And then you flip to the other series, by the way. Uh, you know, rarely do you say, and, and, and we know they love to influence games, they influence series, careers, the pigs we're talking about. That Evaldi, you look at, there's been a few in history, the Tino Martinez Grand Slam, where one pitch, now, this, this, the, the Yankees were still going to win that World Series, make no mistake about it, but that launched Tino's career, et cetera. That Evaldi pitch, that could send a different team to the World Series. No doubt about it, Alex. Listen, I don't know what happens in the bottom half of the ninth inning, but that was strike three. And Laz Diaz, let's be honest, bro, was absolutely embarrassing. Good stuff as always, Alex, across the board. Laz Diaz was embarrassing last night. Now, Evaldi doesn't have to hang a splitter. Next pitch, he hung a splitter. That's on him. But instead of that maybe being three to one Boston and they're going for the kill today, it's two two and the Astros responded in game five. They'll have Evaldi in game six, but now Boston has to win two games deep in the heart of Texas. You like that. You absolutely like that. Morris is up next. Morris, take it away, baby. JJ, what's going on? Morris, fantastic. I mean, that game was a sweat. I think I'm still sweating right about now, but Win is a win, cover is a cover, and the Knicks are one and off. So what's up, dude? Exactly. Win's a win, the cover's a cover. And I just, obviously, RJ stepping up, being the guy that we need him to be in order to build this franchise, and really locking, doing a great job on the defensive end, not just the offensive end. Absolutely. And I have been making this port for a while now, Morris. If this team is going to take a major step forward this year. Listen, Randall, you know what he is. I think he has now proven himself as a legitimate NBA uh, all-star caliber player. He's not a number one on a championship team, but he is a legitimate, really, really good player in this league. Barrett was the number three pick in this draft. How much better can R.J. Barrett get from year one to year two to year three? Is R.J. Barrett going to be similar to what you had last year, or can he take another step forward in his development? It's a major, major question, I think, that's kind of hovering around the Knicks. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And one other thing I wanted to touch on, if Obi could be a little bit better on defense, that five-man lineup is deadly with Obi at the five. I agree with that. And Morris, listen, I want to see Obi and Randall play alongside one another. Appreciate the call as always. I like that dynamic. I really do. I know you're going to lose a little bit on defense, but you saw the way the Knicks were getting after it in transition. They were running the floor. They were playing this 
fast-paced offense. It got away from that, by the way, in the final couple of minutes, which I didn't love. I did not love that. But I like playing Randall and Obi together. You don't got to do it for a ton of minutes throughout the game, but I like it. Justin Foral Park is up next. Justin, good evening, good sir. Brother, what a great day for us, man. The Red Sox. Well, Justin, we needed it. Listen, we've been getting kicked in the gut long enough, bro. We needed we needed a pick-me-up today. We got one. Finally beat a Boston team. Uh, JJ, I'm telling you, just keep this lineup going. I love Randall. I think he's going to continue to be the leader he needs to be. I think the playoffs maybe was a little rude awakening for him. And I think Barrett is going to make that next step. Okay, like you said, this is year three. It's time for him to make the next step. As much as I can't stand Duke players, I will obviously root on a Barrett. Well, Justin, I really liked what I saw in that third quarter because it felt like he was invisible in the first half. You wanted to see him come alive. He did come alive. Not only hitting the outside shot, attacking the basket, playing aggressively, letting defense lead to offense. I mean, basically, Barrett and Toppin changed the game for the Knicks. They change the game. Now, I mean, Tibbs got to clean up the defense a little bit. I don't know what Kimball Walker is doing there. I mean, the end of the game, don't get me started. From 48, from 48 not fouling, and then Kemba guarding a two-point basket when you're up three with two seconds to go. Kemba, what in God's name are you doing, dude? And can we expect this from Fournier? Like, he could be like a third scorer for us? Could it, could it, could it? Fournier can hit the outside shot. Now, listen, Fournier is going to be soft at times. There are going to be times that he's going to bother you that he's going to be chucking it up and he's going to, you know, drive you to drink. But he's going to give this team a dynamic from the outside maybe that they were lacking a year ago. Major, major dynamic. And he's a very good defender. Well, I wouldn't even see. I wouldn't even say that, to be honest with you, Justin. I actually don't like him on defense at all. No, he's he's known for the three-point shot. No, 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 no. He's no, he, he, if anything, he's going to be a little bit of a liability on defense. He's known for the three-point shot. All right, well, we'll see what happens. And, J.J., I think, the, I think the Dodgers are done, man. Well, listen, they lose this game and they go down three games to one. I do – listen, Justin, I know they have talent. I know they'll have Scherzer and Bueller going, and that always helps. I do not think they're winning game six and game seven in Atlanta. I don't. I, I think Atlanta will get them. And you know what? Atlanta this year, Justin, don't they kind of have a little team of destiny on their side? Don't they? I mean, with, with not having Acuna – with losing Soroka, then you got knucklehead Ozuna getting suspended, and yet they were dead to rights end of June, July. They fight back. They hang around. They 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 don't they win 89 games. Not sexy, not pretty, but they're playing their best baseball when it matters the most. Yeah, they're dangerous. They're very dangerous. Hey, I'm telling you, they got the pitching, JJ, and if Houston goes there, I'm telling you, and McCullough's is not coming back, out, you know, outside of uh, the kid that pitched tonight, they really don't have any starters. Well, and that's the fear that Syosset brought up when he called the podcast a couple of days ago. And that's why you're rooting like crazy for Houston to win because you want no part of the Red Sox facing off against either one of these teams. You know what I've noticed with the Dodgers? You know who they really miss in this series, Justin? They miss Muncie. I mean, it is so obvious. Not having Muncie in this series changes the entire feel and look of their lineup. Because listen, Muncie all year, on a team that's full of stars, that has top-notch talent, he was by far and away their best hitter. By far. Yep. And the last thing I think, like the call said previously, Serger, I think is dead. And even this kid, I think he pitched too many innings. The kid that uh, pitched... Uh, Urias. I think, I think Urias pitched too many innings. Well, listen, Justin, they went for the kill in game two by putting him out of the bullpen. Think about that. 
And this is where their decision in game five against the Giants, you wonder if it comes back to bite him in the ass a little bit. You wonder if it comes back to bite him in the ass a little bit. Throwing a guy like you is completely out of whack, completely out of rhythm, completely out of routine. Now, last year it worked great for him. And that's probably the argument they're going to make. But there might be something to be said for that. Freeman's up, and I love his swing. Oh, my goodness, I love it. I love it. Now, he's not leaving Atlanta. Don't get any ideas, Yankee fans. I'd be shocked. Justin joins us. What's happening, Justin? How we doing? Yep. How you doing, JJ? Yep. What's up, bud? How are you? Great now. Great now. It was a stressful game, but, man, we pulled that out. Oh, Justin, you ain't kidding, man. I mean, when I saw Marcus Smart put up that shot at the end of the game and it goes in, I'm saying, oh, geez, this is going to end up being a rotten night. Because I didn't think the Knicks were going to win in overtime. Because I didn't think they were going to have an answer for Brown. And I saw our buddy Simmons was tweeting this. And he's 1,000% right when it comes to Jason Tatum. Tatum had an off night shooting the basketball. He's got to attack the rim way sooner in this game. And that's something, thankfully, he didn't take advantage of until like the final two or three minutes of the second overtime. You know what I mean, Justin? Like that could have been the sort of difference that propelled Boston over the top. But I ain't complaining about it. I ain't shedding any tears for Boston. And listen, it wasn't pretty. Uh, the defense needs to be cleaned up. The late game execution needs to be cleaned up. But a win is a win and a cover is a cover, my man. And we knew that the defense was going to be a little bit of an issue when we're getting rid of, you know, guys like Bullock and stuff like that to get Kemba and Fournier, which especially when they're coming from Boston, where Boston knows them perfectly, we know there's going to be a little defensive last. But just a couple bullet points. You said it perfect with, um, you know, can we talk about RJ and the fact that even though he didn't have as many points as we want as a Knicks fan, because, you know, you, we want RJ to kind of hit that 15 to 20 points. Can we say how the way he locked up Jason Tatum where anytime Tatum shot the ball, he was either uncomfortable or he was off rhythm and it took him a long time to get in rhythm. And even so, it was like Jason Tatum was just like completely neutralized just because RJ was guarding him most of the game. I think that's a very, very good point, Justin. And that is an element of RJ Barrett's game that he brings to the table. There was a sense of discomfort. Really appreciate it. The entire way through, Tatum was all out of whack, all out of rhythm. And I'm A-OK with giving R.J. Barrett a ton of credit for disrupting him. Now, on the other hand, Jalen Brown was able to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. I mean, he ate threes. He had 46 points. I think he had like 30 points or something like that in the first half of this game. Brown went off and was incredible. Absolutely incredible. The Knicks are going to lose a little something defensively with Walker and Fournier. But I think it's worth what they will get in return offensively. And here's why I'm not that stressed about the defense, the head coach of this team, who is going to demand you bring a sort of intensity and effort on that end of the floor. You're going to have to do it. Even if you're not a great defender, you're going to have to defend for Tom Thibodeau. And I think that's key. Alberto is up next. He joins us. What's up, Alberto? Hey, what's up, man? Um, Man, I just... I don't really follow the Knicks that much. I'm a huge NBA fan. I'm a diehard Laker fan, but I just wanted to come on and thank all the Knicks fans um, for having a rocking stadium, man. Honestly, like if it's not the Lakers, obviously, like I find myself always rooting for the Knicks when I watch their games. They get me out of breath and they get your juices flowing. The, the Madison Square Garden is, it has to be the greatest, one of the greatest, like, probably the greatest place to watch a game live. Oh, Alberto, I think you bring up an excellent point. And listen, I appreciate your passion. Thanks for checking in, number one. And as a guy who doesn't root for the New York Knicks, can you admit this? 
The, the NBA, NBA is, is a better, better place, place when the Knicks are good. Am, am I right, right or am I wrong? Or at least no, relevant. That's a fact, man. That's 100% a fact. Like I said, it, this started at, for me, it started with the playoffs last year, right? Um, when I was watching the games against Atlanta, like, I had zero dog in the game. I could care less who won, but somehow I gravitated towards the Knicks side because it was just the games were intense, but it was the fans. It wasn't even the game necessarily. It was the fans and, like, the the atmosphere, and it was just incredible, man. It's honestly incredible to watch Knicks, Knicks games. Well, Alberto, listen, I can't wait to get to Madison Square Garden. Thanks for checking in, number one. Uh, best of luck with Russell Westbrook, which I think is going to be an absolute disaster for the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers will be fine to have LeBron and Anthony Davis. They'll figure out their best five. I mean, Westbrook at the end of these games. And I hate to say I told you so, Westbrook on that team. The guy can't shoot. He needs the basketball. I mean, LeBron is just way too stubborn at times. I don't know why LeBron would think that Russell Westbrook would be a good fit on that team. Did Freeman just go Yahtzee? No, but he hit one down the line. How about that? Six to two. Six to two, Atlanta. Wow. Charlie Elmhurst is up next. What's happening, Charlie? Yo, JJ. So, um, actually, this Knicks game, I need this game because I listened to you, I'm um, you and Jacka, which was awesome. I mean, it's a great grief session. And then, I mean, beating, I mean, Knicks beating the Celtics and, of course, uh, the Red Sox losing put a little sour on the bill from Los Angeles, uh, which is a nice, nice to see. Uh, that's needed. So, um, so, I mean, uh, sorry to the Knicks. Uh, I mean, JJ, this like kind of like I've been talking with my Knicks uh, guys, uh, my friend of mine. Uh, how many wins total for it take for the Knicks to like, you know, finish above the 60? Like how many wins total? Like 50 plus wins or something? You know, that's a very, very good question, Charlie. Honestly, I have to see how the Eastern Conference is going to shake out. I don't know if it's necessarily 50. I'd probably say in the high 40s. 48, 49, 47, 48 wins. You know what I mean, Charlie? Because don't you get the sense with the improvement of a bunch of teams within this conference, there's going to be a lot more parity up and down the East? See, I don't know if you're going to have, I don't think you're going to have to get to 50 wins to be a top six seed. I'm not so sure about that. On the on the things that I kind of noticed in this game is that I think uh, Toppin needs to stop. Uh, I mean, yeah, he probably that's that's next next up would be probably shooting the three by. He, he's got to attack the basket. That's where he got hot. The team, the, this team got you know back back in it, and one of the reasons why I mean, if they end up finishing regulation, they would have won because Toppin needs like got to take advantage of that size out uh, size in. And I'm gonna say I love Mitchell Robinson. The fact that. Uh, the size where he can get the ground, get some rebounds. That size of miss that missed like during the like late season where the Knicks, or especially in the Atlanta series where they they got killed the crack, they got killed the board a lot with uh, Capella. So I think Mitchell Robinson topping with the big size. I think that's gonna be key for uh Tibbs and the Knicks going forward. Would say I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I thought Mitchell Robinson gave him really good minutes. I thought Toppin gave him really good minutes. Yeah, Toppin gets into trouble sometimes when he's a little trigger happy from beyond the three-point arc. And I don't know if you were watching, Charlie, the ESPN broadcast. I was. Van Gundy basically asked Mike Breen. He's like, Mike, you do all their games. Can Toppin hit that shot consistently? And basically, Mike Breen was like, yeah, that's something he has to work on. Because he took one. I don't know if you remember this, Charlie. It was in the fourth quarter where like Van Gundy and Jackson were like, dude, that is a terrible, terrible shot. 
Oh, oh yeah. So that's terrible. I mean, I was on the fourth quarter or something. It was like, I mean, I mean, he has a size advantage. So go and go attack the basket. I mean, and go attack the basket. So I agree with that. The broadcast and everything. And uh, certainly, uh, JJ, I need to expect the fact that yeah, I listened yesterday. I listened to those two idiots. Uh, the I mean, the Yankees side. Where uh, I mean, can we? Can we, I mean, stop with the. I mean, Aaron Boone's solution. Uh, he's most part of the problem, really. Did you enjoy, uh, Charlie, that he'd be the best free agent manager on the market? I think that basically took the cake out of any of the dumb comments I heard from yesterday. It was that and the idea that Hal Steinbrenner will do anything to put a championship caliber team on the field. Take your pick. Damn. I think it's stupid. The, 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 the cashman that, in that part, that was stupid. The fact that Hal is like running this, running this clown, this clown. Uh, eagle, eagle, eagle statistic general manager runs the show. I mean, Kyle's clueless. And it- well, that's what it comes down to, Charlie. Listen, I, I think you hit on something there, bud. Appreciate the call as always. That's very, very key in trying to analyze what's going on with the Yankees. This general manager is very egotistical. And listen, he's done more good than bad. I get that. But he is not going to admit defeat here on this Boone hype. He's not. And that's why he's partnering with Boone over the next three years. It's not a move I'd make. I have a feeling we'll be doing a lot more belly aching about this manager and their process over the next couple of years. That's just, uh, that's just my personal initial inkling. Let's hit the Rich in Connecticut. He is up next. Richie boy. What's up, baby? Hey, JJ. What's going on? Man? I can't take 81 more of these, man. Uh, I mean, listen, I, I think I can because it mean we'll have a whole lot more excitement, but I don't think it's going to be good for our blood pressure and our sanity and all that stuff. That's true. You kind of stole my thunder before about the point you broke up with talking about they're going to lose some stuff defensively this year. But I think in the long run, especially if they if they can make the playoffs, I just think the way they're built and just the way the NBA is in 2021, um, I just think this team compared to last year is leaps and bounds can, can win a round or two in the playoffs. What do you think about that? Well, I think it depends on matchups, number one. And I think it's going to depend on how this team is playing at the end of the year. What's working? What's not? I, I'm not willing to say that this team could go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not. And listen, I'm not even willing to say that they can win a round. Because listen, I think they're not in the top half of the East. They're not one of the four best teams in the East, if I'm being perfectly frank. But listen, a lot. But here's the one thing, though, Rich. A lot can change between now on whatever it is, October the 20th and, you know, April and May. A lot could change between now and then. Yeah, I'd tell you what, watching Giannis last night, he starts hitting 18, 20-foot jumpers. I mean, he's indefensible. I mean, how do you... You don't, Rich. Point blank, you don't. You don't. And, I, you know, I think Durant's the best player in the league. I think Giannis is right at his heels. If Giannis is going to be able to play every single game and he's going to be able to evolve offensively, then you're right, he's unguardable. And that's where there's value, by the way, in taking Milwaukee to win the NBA title again. I know it's tough to repeat, but that's where there's some significant, significant value. No, and you watch it, like, just, like, they're, you know, I'm a big Notre Dame guy, and Pat Connington is such an underrated player, and Middleton, like, they're such a good team, you know, and, like, they, they play so well together, and watching the Bucks is just, it's a lot of fun. They're a fun team. Listen, and they have a superstar who wanted to be there. He went through his growing pains in the postseason, Richie. Appreciate the call. A lot of growing pains. Is that out? Wow, the Braves! By the way, this Rosario now is four for five. Four for five, this Rosario. Not for nothing, the Yankees could have had him. Instead, they get Joey Gallo. I mean, uh, uh, enough said. Jeff Money up next. Hi, Jeff Money. 
What's up? What a shocker. Was- well, Jeff Money, I hope that you didn't play the Dodgers at minus 216 tonight. My goodness. If you did, condolences. Well, it's bad enough I picked the uh, Red Sox today. You know that- Well, you and me both, but I made it back on the Knicks. So I- I'm more than happy to donate for a Red Sox loss. Just saying, bro. More than happy to do that. Hopefully I hit my Vegas Golden Knights game. They're 1-1 right now. But uh, just a shocker. And as far as the Knicks game, that was just very enjoyable. You know, they, like you said, they played sloppy defense, a little stupid there at the end by not fouling like we were talking about. They were up by three. You got to foul there, you know. Oh, you have to foul. And listen, 48 not fouling is a joke. Kemba Walker basically going a two-point shot when there's three seconds left and you know that they're yucking up a three. I mean, I don't know what kind of brain fart that is. Uh, the fact that you can survive that and win the game. Listen, Jeff Money in the early going of the year, show's been a Knicks the tough, that they're resilient. You like seeing that, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because the old Nick. They lose that game by 10 in overtime. Exactly. They lose that game by 10. That would have just, yeah, they just would have fell apart and everything. But uh, as far as the Braves, I mean, they win this when they go up 3-1, to one, going back with the Braves. You, there's no way you can see the Dodgers winning three straight. No, I don't. Even though they'll have Scherzer and Bueller ready to rock at some point. I mean, for starters, what would Los Angeles do tomorrow from a pitching standpoint? Unless you're going to tell me they're going to throw Scherzer on short rest. He pitched on Sunday. So he'd be on three days rest after only, you know, throwing four and two thirds. I mean, the Dodgers seem like they are just totally cooked from a pitching standpoint. And remember that the Braves can go for the gauntlet tomorrow. They got freed in game five. It's been lights out. I think they're dead, Jeff Money. I think the Braves are going to win this series. I do. And I was dead wrong because you know what? I liked Atlanta in game one. I did not think Atlanta would win three of the first four. No way, dude. Oh, no way. Very, very surprising. And the Red Sox, you figure they're dead. I don't see them winning two games in Houston. Well, the one thing I'd say about Houston, be careful with their pitching. Be careful with their pitching because what helps Boston a ton is that they'd have Evaldi ready to rock game six. But you got to wonder now with Evaldi, did throwing that inning out of the bullpen kind of get him out of his element. That's something to watch Friday night because I have no idea how Evaldi responds after that. I really don't. Absolutely. And if they're going to hit now, because now it looks like they got cold with the bats, but we'll see. What- well, listen, the Astros bats in game four and in game five were absolutely relentless. I mean, how about you, Adon Alvarez? I mean, you know, A-Rod tweeted this out and A-Rod doing the games is a tough listen. I think A-Rod in studio is outstanding. He mentioned this, Jeff Money. The idea of Jordan Alvarez having a lot of big pop units. Don't you see that comparison a little bit with his swing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And poor, poor A-Rod's getting belted by the fans over there. Well, listen, Jeff Money, you know the deal. You're a Yankee. You're a Fenway Park. You're a hated Yankee, for that matter. You're going to hear it. That's just the way it is. I mean, that'd be like Reggie Miller coming to Madison Square Garden and doing a studio show. You know he's going to get roasted. That's just par for the course. Tobias is up next. He joins us. What up, Tobias? Yes, Tobias. Tobias going once. There we go, Tobias. What's happening, bro? Yes, what's up? Well, it's 5 o'clock here in Berlin. Uh, Wow, we got somebody checking in from Germany. How about that, Tobias? Fabulous. Fabulous. Opener. It's, why not? <laughs> I mean, did you see the last preseason game where they came back from 18 in the last quarter? That must have been the most exciting preseason quarter ever. Well, doesn't it show you, Tobias, that it doesn't matter if it's a regular season game, if it's a postseason game, if it's a preseason game, this team is going to battle and compete their asses off? 
You got to love that as a Knicks fan, dude. You got to love it. Saw the Lakers yesterday. I mean, it's a nice atmosphere there, probably in the Staples Center, but it's nothing like a preseason game at the Knicks, <laughs> I guess. Well, listen, the passion, the energy, the enthusiasm of New York Knickerbocker fans, and you should know this, Tobias, it's unmatched. So I got to know, in Germany, when you were watching these games, what time is it in Germany? It's 5, 5 a.m. Oh, I love it. So what time did these games start, Tobias? So that game started at 1.30. I watched the Red Sox lose. It was 11 great innings from the Astros. I mean, there's two cheat, the two, the cheating ball of the Astros and the Red Sox. I mean, I hate both teams, but it's great to see the Red Sox lose. So that started the night at 11 p.m. And yeah, now it's 5 a.m. And uh, yeah, I still can't sleep. So, yeah, I um, talk to you. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, Tobias, I love your passion. Thank you for listening. The, the schedule of the Knicks, they're going to start like 7-1. and one. Wow, look at the confidence. Tobias feeling the confidence from Germany. And listen, don't be a stranger. You know where to find us here. New York, New York pod. Download it. We'll have these Bruner rooms. And we're going to post this one as a pod. So if you, get, you got in late, you missed my initial thoughts, don't worry, we'll have you covered. Scotty joins us. What's happening, Scotty? Hey, JJ. Uh, great win by the Knicks. We needed that. Uh, I think, like, the Rangers and the Knicks are, like, my only hope so far because the Yankees, I don't know what what the hell they're doing. They got egos, size of, you know, I never seen egos that big before. And I think you said on your pod earlier, I was listening, one of, one of the guests you had on was saying that, you know, when the Red Sox went in 04, uh, Dio Epstein was considered the genius, and I think Cashman, he said Cashman took it the wrong way, and he thinks, I think that way too. And I'm like, you know what? I think he's right about that. You know, it's an interesting comparison. You know, 2004 was as bad as it gets. From a Yankee standpoint, this is probably number two on the list, though, Scotty. You know, this year, losing to the Red Sox and then having to deal with the arrogance and just the apathy within the front office and ownership that they don't want to make a change. I've never sensed a more angry, ticked off, furious fan base than what I'm dealing with right now. I really have never seen Yeah, I don't know any Yankee fan that wanted boom back. I really I uh, any Yankee fan who did is delusional. That's the, that's what it boils down to, Scotty. They are delusional. It's unreal. I mean, just and everyone was saying he wasn't gonna get fired. I'm like, listen, man. It's just unbelievable that they're gonna run back the same team. They could have had like you were saying, and someone else said it, we could have had Rosario, perfect fit, but, you know, we got Joey Gallo who strikes out about five times a game, man. I mean, hopefully we, we you know, we, we construct the roster and, you know, see what happens next. Oh, the roster. Listen, Scotty, it better be. It better be. It better be a drastically, drastically different-looking Yankee team than the one I saw at Fenway Park. That's all I'm going to say. If they think they're running that team back and it's going to do anything of substance, they're, they're delusional. You joins us. He's up next. Hello, you. You. What's up, baby? How are you, man? What's up? Nothing, bro. Just crazy, crazy Knicks game, man. I was dropped a few f bombs there towards the end of the game. Yeah, I think it was justified. I mean, Evan Fournier not fouling when Marcus Smart nailing that three. Or how about you? The sequence in overtime that. Basically, it was three after three after three. And it's like, is anybody going to miss? I mean, holy shit, dude. Is anybody going to miss? It was like an all-star game in the garden. Like, at, at one point, it was like just going like, it literally was like, uh, 
It was like a title fight, like just swinging haymakers at each other. It was great, man. For the Don't you love the fact, though, you, that there is an energy and that there is a, just a sense of positivity amongst the New York Knicks and their fan base that you haven't had in a long, long time? How great is that? I was literally, I was literally talking about this with my buddies the other day, like, Literally in like the last 18 months, just to show you how scary times have gotten, like the Knicks and the Islanders are like the most well-run teams in New York. Like how crazy is that? It's crazy. I mentioned it with Mike Carver when he joined the green room yesterday after the Boone uh, extension was announced. The Islanders and the Knicks have become like the model franchises in town. There's a disaster. Jury's just like they're running guys back to Russia with this whole Kratzoff thing, which is just pissing me the fuck off. But like, I mean, like, I just can't like understand. And then you got, like just to touch on this clown show the Yankees are doing, I just can't even believe. Like now they're trying to like push back against the fan base and try to fight the fans with their comments. Like that is a bold, bold PR strategy. Well, I haven't seen any of that. You, if you don't, if you don't mind enlightening, what exactly am I missing? What, what, just the idea of Cashman and Boone kind of like downplaying the situation? No, like when he's sitting there, like trying to like, because he's like trying to say like, oh, like with the thing with like about spending the money, like how dare anybody question him? Like, cause the fans question him or like do the things with their moves. Like, I just feel like the way that they like, like the scarecrow thing that they were talking about, like that they're like almost like saying like the, like what they say created the, the monster kind of thing. Like whatever Boone was talking about, like the, the boogeyman thing, like that was definitely a shot at the fans. I feel like, cause we we're always like saying like, who's really calling the shots. Like he might've tried to have been joking about it, but like, you know, like, and, and, and even today, like, he was on the K show and he's fucking, Boone is like, you could just hear him, like, squealing. Like, he's just like, you know what I mean? He didn't know what to say because, like, K was pressing him about, like, how, how come you don't bench players that, like, and K was right. Like, uh, you know? Oh, absolutely. Listen, K is right. If he brought that up to Aaron, I didn't have an opportunity to listen. Perfectly honest with you. I didn't have a chance to hear him and I wanted to. I was doing MLB Network. I saw Aaron was going on with those guys, and I don't listen. I I'll be perfectly honest with you, I don't listen to talk radio. I don't because, like, I try to do what I do, and you want to have like a clear head. But when like Boone is going to go on, I want to hear it because you know you might get some. That's where I might get something out of it. And yeah, like think about how Cora went after Erod the other day, and I know it was kind of inconsequential that whole watch thing with Correa, and he did so in a very diplomatic way. But you saw him, you, take his player, hug him, and say, basically, don't do that shit. We don't do that here. When have you ever seen Aaron Boone do that in public? The answer is never. That, that was the thing, like, because, like, so Kay was, like, asked him a question today about the whole, like, the hustling thing with, like, Gleyber Torres and, like, Gary Sanchez situation. And, like, you know, like, Boone, when he does his, like, <clears throat> like his cough thing, like, trying to answer the question because he doesn't know what the hell to say. And, like, he was like, he go, he, he like made it oxymoron, like making himself like a jackass. He's like, well, when I played, I put my hair on fire. So like, I want the guys to run hard. So then like Kay was like, why don't you take him out of the game then or whatever? Like he should come out. And then he was just like, well, those are things that sometimes you can't do on the field because you're playing with a short bench, a short bench. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Like if the guy's not hustling and, and he's not showing his effort, get him the hell out of the game. He doesn't deserve to be. Yeah, you got to make a statement there. I totally agree with that. And listen, unfortunately now, you, this is something we have to deal with from a Yankee standpoint. This manager is going to be here. I don't agree with it. I think the Yankees made a monumental mistake. I think the Yankees are way too arrogant for an organization that's done nothing for over a decade. Who the hell are they to act like they've won multiple or dare I say one world championship? It bothers me. I think it bothers a good amount of the fan base. He's going to be the manager. 
I hope there is an evolution. I mean, I'm not counting on it. Not counting on it. Listen, he didn't have a great game five, but I take Cora. I'd give up a whole lot of things for Alex Cora to manage my team. Just saying. The great Jeremy in Boston, who did not have a uh, wonderful night. He joins us here. Hello, Jeremy. JJ, how are you tonight? Uh, Jeremy, I'm actually doing fantastic. Good win for the Knicks. Your team on the brink of elimination. And listen, I don't have much. My baseball team is a total shit show at, the point, at this moment in time. So I, I will enjoy a little Red Sox misery if I can get some. Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot to be. It's a weird spot. I, I was at the game. You know, I'm, I'm in Boston. I was at the game last night. I was there again tonight. Uh, two just absolute miserable, miserable games to be at. Um, it's a weird spot because... You know, we came in with no expectations, you know, right from beating you guys in the, uh, you know, the one game playoff, it was sort of all gravy. And then all of a sudden you get a 2-1 lead and everything's rolling and you feel like you're about to be in the World Series. And then all of a sudden the wheels come off and these last, what, what is it, nine and eight, 17 innings. I mean, you get your asses handed to you. I don't even know what the total, 18 to one or something like that. Yeah, it's been ass whooping. I mean, you think about it. Now, game four was not. Game four was close. It got away from you late. Um, you go to Perez, who's an absolute stiff. Um, the Evaldi call on Castro is a killer. But you know what, though, Jeremy? I don't want to hear about a call when Evaldi goes and hangs the splitter on the next pitch. You know what I mean, dude? Like, sooner or later, you got to make the next pitch. So I don't want to make the series narrative now about Laz Diaz screwing over the Red Sox. And I don't know if you felt this way with game five. This game changed to me. First and second, nobody out. Renfro, wow, Ren, Renfro should be bunting there, Jeremy. I'm sorry. Listen, you got a contact guy up in Verdugo. I know Renfro probably didn't drop down a bunt all damn year. Renfro has been an absolute embarrassment this postseason. And sure enough, what does he do? He grinds into a double play. That was a killer for your team. The key, you're right. I mean, that's the key turning point in the game. And Renfro cannot bunt. I, I honestly, I've never seen him bunt in, his, in my life, and I don't think he's capable of it. Um, the, I don't think. I mean, he's got. You know, you have that. You have uh, Valdez on the ropes there. He's got a two zero pitch. He leaves a sinker up in the zone. And Renfro just rolls right into it. Uh, yeah, he's been a disaster, Renfro. It's offensively, it's, I mean, and he, he he struggled at the end of the regular season, and in the postseason, he's been a total disaster. I honestly wouldn't. Jeremy, I wouldn't play him in Game Six. I would sit his ass on the bench. Think, and Schwarber has been a disaster defensively at first base. Well, that play at first base where the runner, I think it was Altuve, was going to third. Dude, you got to stay on the base and get the out there, for goodness sakes. I mean, it's it's not really – I mean, they're, they're trying. He's not a first baseman, and you can tell. he just He's just not comfortable there. So I, I think there's a chance you could see Schwarber uh, move to the outfield in game six and maybe – And I'd play Shaw at first base or Dahlbeck. I play one of the two first, just just to uh, you know give him a little spark to get this offense going again. Um, just before I go, I wanted to touch on. I, I just I was just on uh, talking to the um, the Boston shows here about this, but this has been a big talking point here locally. Um, and I know this is something that you guys talk about in New York all the time. With and this is something around baseball. Third time through the lineup, you know they stick with Chris Sale tonight, and Cora decides to give Sale the sixth inning, which is something he hasn't done really all season, you know, letting his starters go third time through the lineup in a big game like this. Um, I, I honestly was shocked to see him to see him go that way, to give Sale that inning. Um, and I was shocked to see him let Sale face Alvarez for the third time after Alvarez. Well, here's the bigger issue, Jeremy. Why are you pitching Alvarez there? You got a base open. Don't pitch to that guy. 
don't do it. Space open, you've got the right-handed Brazier warming and you've got right-handed Correa on deck. I think that's probably the move I like. But even so, you, I, I mean, I just, I just can't get over the fact that, I mean, they don't have anybody warming up to start the sixth inning tonight when Sale's out there. And I mean, Sale's pitching well, so I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't want to get over overdo this point here. But, you know, I mean, all year, all we hear about is third time through the lineup. The analytic people don't like the starter, you know, even when they're crude. And you know what the point I brought up? And this is to relate it back to you guys in New York. Do you remember the game, the one game playoff when Avaldi was cruising the sixth inning? At- and they took him out of the game, which I thought was asinine. Judge hits the infield single, and then Brazier comes in to face Stanton, which was the play where the double off the wall, and Judge gets thrown out at the plate. But but Cora gave Evaldi the quick hook in the sixth inning, which tonight he all of a sudden decides he's going to stick it out with Sale, which I just don't get what where they're coming from with that. No rhyme or reason to it, Jeremy. And listen, I think the reason Alex Cora tried pushing Chris Sale today is that his bullpen is taxed. That's what I think it boils down to. I think his bullpen was taxed, and he's like, I need something out of sale here. Pitching Alvarez with the way he's swinging the bat, though, was insanity. Insanity. Ben joins us. What's up, Ben? Yes, Ben. Try this one more time with Ben. Ben, you there? Uh, We have laws, Ben. So we'll go from Ben to Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Let's go. Okay. Yeah, let's go next. Um. Yeah, nice to have a team to feel good about for a change, Aaron. You know, it's nice. What a concept. First thing, are we sure Fournier is an upgrade over Reggie Bullock? Yes, because he gives you a lot more on offense. Gives you a lot more on offense. And I'm not a big Fournier guy for what it's worth. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of his. But offensively speaking, big upgrade. All right, then with the the Dodgers and the Braves, it looks like I was right about that. Hey, listen, Aaron, give you credit. Now, you want to win away. I don't want to be gloating yet. Like, you want to... I don't want to be gloating. I want it to be the opposite. I like the Dodgers. Well, listen, I got no problem with either one of these teams. I'll root for the National League no matter who they end up playing in the World Series. You know what I mean, dude? I'm rooting for the National League no matter what. Um, The Braves, listen, the Braves are showing so much resiliency and so much chutzpah. And just flat out, they, they got balls, that team, man. They got a lot of balls. Now, they were up 3-1 against the Dodgers last year. Let's see if they close the deal. Talk about a redemption story. It's right in front of them. Taylor's up next. What's up, Taylor? What is up, JJ? Taylor, what's going on, dude? Oh, I just can't uh, I can't really agree with you that they should have fouled at the end of the fourth quarter there as a Knicks minus two backer. I think... Uh... Well, listen, Taylor, You let me tell you something, though, buddy. At minus two, now, I understand with big money bets, it could end up costing you. Dude, when they're one and a half or a two-point favorite, take them on the money line. Trust me on that. Take them on the money line. Pay the extra juice. It's worth it. It's worth it. Peace of mind. Learn tonight as I'm watching the game, watching how it's all going to shake out. But, hey, it's a Knicks win. It's a Knicks cover. Been saying it all night. It's great. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to say about this whole Aaron Boone bringing Aaron Boone back is if they're not going to say, if they're going to make changes to the coaching staff, we got to make changes to the roster. Where do you fall on, I guess, Yankees Twitter, just counting all these, we're going to, we're bringing in Correa. We're trading for Matt Olson. Any of this uh, kind of nonsense. I've been- well, I want Seager for what it's worth. I think Seager would be the perfect guy to go and get and put a shortstop and then eventually transition him over to third base. Tell it, they have to drastically change his team. Listen, I wanted the manager out. I want to change there. 
coaching staff, roster, they need a whole lot of change. All right, final one before we say goodbye. The great Hector in Washington Heights is going to close it out Mariano style. What's up, Hector? How you doing, my brother? Hector, I am doing fantastic. Did you find your way to Madison Square Garden? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I'm jealous. Hector, it seemed like it was rocking, bro. Seemed like it was rocking. It sure was, JJ. Thanks to my my, my uh, niece and nephew's dad. He has season tickets. He said, let's go. I said, what? I am in there, bro. And I'm back. He invited me. It was a great, great night. You know, like you said, everybody in there was screaming why we didn't fall at the end of the fourth quarter. But as long as we come out with a W, that's all you can ask for, man. Oh, absolutely, Hector. And listen, you love what you saw from Randall. It's great to see Mitchell Robinson back on the court. I thought Toppin and I thought Barrett got the Knicks to where they needed to be with their third quarters into the fourth quarter. But in overtime, listen, Fournier had the brain fart at the end of the game. You don't get to the second overtime if it's not for Fournier. I mean, he had a ton of big shots, albeit a lot of them were wide open, Hector, but he had a lot of open big-time threes. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I know, like, you nailed it, like you said. You know, I, it was good to see the bench with Toppin, you know, and with Barrett still in there, do what they did in the third quarter. That was that was good to see them come in. I would like to see a little bit more ball movement. I thought Randall a couple of times. Especially at the end of the game, Hector. I agree with that. Listen, Randall at times can be a little ISO heavy. That's always going to be the knock on the best player you have. I mean, listen, that's just the way it goes. Unless your best player is like Curry or some unbelievable, exquisite passer or LeBron for that matter, you're always going to have that sort of complaint. But at the end of the game, Hector, not just Randall, the entire team, they did not move the ball well enough. They did not. And that's something they got to work on. That's what I was saying. You just need a little bit more ball movement. I, I do think sometimes the Randall is, is by design, right? Where, you know, I, I don't know why they haven't bring the ball all the way down court, the full length of the court, and just not pass at all. But, hey, it is what it is. Like I said, we got the W, and that's what you can ask for. Let's see what happens now with Orlando and all that. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm fired up, man. I'm driving home now, and I'm... Well, it's the heck that you should be. I mean, it's a fun win. You want to know to start the year? A lot of things went the Knicks' way. Um, it didn't have to be pretty. Yeah, it was a little stressful, but a win is a win. A cover is a cover, and we're flying high to start off this NBA season. This was a ton of fun. Download the pod, New York, New York. These green rooms are fantastic, and we post them when they're worthwhile. This one, I think it's fair to say is worth posting. We're back tomorrow with our Football Friday pod. Joe B, Arthur Caesar, Jason Katz, all the fixings. I need a winning week. Oh, my goodness. I need a winning week. Hopefully we'll deliver on that. JJ out. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening. Be good, everybody.